Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. nine foot homemade oak bar as you can see i've given myself uh way too much head in the glass yeah i, th- I thought i thought maybe you were just like hung over from all the beers you drank this weekend on, on that date that pre-st patty's day tour or something yeah, i saw yeah, you were i on. went on a pre-st patty's day like bar drinking thing I, I like to i like to drink all of march and the first week of february leading into march you know just just for the irish so but i <laughs> i i i did have a brewer one time tell me that like they put a lot of carbonation inside, especially light beers. And that's what I have here. I got a Miller light here in front of me and I, I went to go pour it. And, and I've always been told like splash it a little bit, get the gas out. Cause they put a lot of carbonation in. It's different from taking a draft beer. And I was like, really? And I've, I've, I've experimented with this a little bit. And there's a reason why I get gassy when I drink something from a can or a bottle. That's a light beer. Or when I get it off a draft, and so now I purposely try to get the gas out by, you know, pouring it badly because I'm a, I'm a gassy old man is what I am. Disgusting. Just like all 30 of Major League Baseball's owners who are trying to kill my favorite sport right now. Yeah, they're they're doing their darndest. And it's and what we were talking about before the show, Chris, is that it may not even be every single owner. It only has to be eight owners like everybody's everybody's gonna blame rob manfred and rob manfred's he's not a good like figurehead or speaker or whatever you would say for the owners but they seem to like him and it it could be eight of those teams that are pushing for for some issue or not wanting to spend on some issue that could hold up this entire process well what i'm curious about is what's going on tonight as we sit down and talk so so we're talking, uh, me and you are sitting down and we're talking, we're having a beer at, on Monday night. And so it's 8.15 at night, 8.15 where the owners are as well because they're down in Florida. And they're still talking at this moment. And some of the things that have come out, and John Heyman's actually been one of these guys, baseball reporter, who's put some of this stuff out today, where he's talking about one of the big things right now is expanded playoffs. And we all know the competitive balance tax is the big thing. Like, they're not having meetings all day on Monday just talking about expanded playoffs because that would be stupid, okay? If you don't have the CBT taken care of, it doesn't matter what you do on Monday. So this is the thing. If they're talking about expanded playoffs, it's because the the owners want it and the players know they want it because it's the biggest bargaining chip they have is the expanded playoffs. And the owners want 14 teams, and the players haven't given them 14 teams yet, and the players are using that to try to get the best deal they can. And I think this is why 
owners waited until the end. This is why they took December off, because the thing was, if we can get some urgency, maybe we can drag some of those owners that are holdouts so that we can get the 23 necessary to pass something. And maybe we can drag enough players who are like, I don't want to miss the beginning of the season because I, I, I'm young. I'm trying to make a team. I'm coming off an injury. There's a lot of guys that, that want to play baseball. You know, Bryce Harper can post a picture of himself implying that he's going to go to Japan and play. And Joey Gallo can open up a LinkedIn account and say he's looking for a new job like he did today and put down his skills are striking out and hitting into the shift, which I thought was semi-funny. All right. You, you, you it, was, could, it, it, was, it was clever. It, it was, but here's the problem. I'm not into your clever right now because you're taking away baseball. Right now I'm mad at the owners, but your clever jokes make me angry at you too. It's just my natural reaction at this point is I'm angry at everybody involved. So if you're a player, be quiet. Be quiet and let's hope that this gets done. And I'll continue to blame the owners. If you if you get if you get kind of like, you know, smart assy, you know, and, and social, you know, put it out on social media, I'm gonna start getting aggravated with you. I mean, there's a reason why if Tom Glavin walked down the street right now and I was just passing him and he was in street clothes, I'd boo him. Because I remember him from the ninety four strike and he was the players rep. And he was always on on a microphone being annoying. So I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I generally tend to lean towards the players, but if you're a player that's in the spotlight and I'm not getting baseball on opening day, pff, I boo you for life, okay? I don't care if that's if it's fair or not, all right? I start blaming everybody when you take away my opening day. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But I, I think what's going on right now is they're trying to hammer something out, and the biggest chip that the players have is that expanded playoff. I think you will have expanded playoffs no matter when the deal is done, the players are just trying to see what they can get for it. Yeah, and I I know there is no way to control. I mean, there's there's so many baseball players out there. There's so much social media. There's stuff that's been leaked about them starting up. I, it would be like a practice facility in Arizona where they were going to have like workers and training and all kinds of stuff yeah, and maybe something in Florida, but. I don't even see – the players are training on their own right now, and some of them are probably training with other players. And I know it's it's hard to control all that kind of stuff because, like I said, social media is out there. Players get frustrated and players post stuff. Only when, like, a player who's actually in, like, the executive uh, committee posts something. Like, when John Heyman posted the one thing when he's – I think it was, like, a couple days ago, and he said they're within striking distance. And Zach Britton, who's actually on – the uh, the executive subcommittee for for me for the MLBPA said this is not accurate. Then then I'll I'll take something to it if he's the one that's actually responding. If he's the one that's actually like in the meetings, because if you notice, like players, we we're talking about this also before the show, Chris, because we had a lot of time just to talk about a whole bunch of nothing. Is people were asking like you know where's where's Bob Nutting and all this? Like we we haven't seen Bob Nutting whatsoever. We're seeing pictures of all these other all these other owners and all this kind of stuff. Why aren't we hearing from Bob Nutting? Well, the same question could be asked, like, why aren't you hearing from Brian Reynolds? Why aren't you hearing from the de facto, you know, Pirates representative, Chris Stratton, now that Adam Frazier was traded and, and Jacob Stallings is gone? Like, it's because they're not, like, in any sort of subcommittee. Bob Nutting was a member of the executive subcommittee in from 2015 to 2019, put in there by Rob Manfred, pretty much because... The Pirates were okay at that point in time. And 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 I think that, yeah, Nutting was on the committee that got Manford his job. It was like in that, when they were like looking for people, he was on that. So it's like, a, here's a thanks, thanks, Bob. Like, you know, 
good job. Thanks for thanks for getting me on board. Your team's doing okay. We'll put you on the executive subcommittee. But you see all these pictures of all these people, and everybody will be like, well, Hal Steinbrenner's not on the executive subcommittee. He's on the labor policy committee. That's seven teams right there. That's him, Boston, and five other teams, which he never named. So we don't know who's on there. And there's other people there who negotiated during the you know the pandemic who are no longer on the executive subcommittee but they this all these discussions started happening back then so they're not going to pull in bob nutting and see what he thinks i mean obviously they're probably getting him on the phone getting him on a zoom or whatever it would be to see what his opinion is on stuff but him not being there and i've seen a couple articles i've seen a couple things out there where's bob and all this bob's doing what rob manfred wants bob and all the other owners who aren't involved in these discussions to do they're not talking. That's what that's what he wants them to do. Well, here's the thing, and what you have to remember when you're trying to figure out as a Pirates fan what the involvement is of Bob Nutting. What you have to understand is his involvement is always going to be as one of the 30 votes. I, I, David Sampson and I had a conversation, and I'm not sure whether or not he talked about this on Bucks in the Basement when he talked with you, but he was explaining that they take the temperature of all these owners and they try to figure out how far they can push them all. And then they kind of know. Like, this is about what we have, and when we get to this point, we're not going to have enough votes. So the only way that Bob Nutting at that point gets contacted is if there's something that Nutting didn't want, or that he said, my threshold for the CBT is this, or my threshold for a minimum salary is this, or my threshold for this other ask that the union has is this, and I won't go past it no way, no how. If they get to that, that's the only way he's contacted at this point. When they say, hey, Bob... Can you push that threshold a little bit? And then you don't know if he's saying yes or no. And and that's the only way he's involved at this point. He might have been involved at some point over the last couple of weeks. And I would imagine tonight, I would imagine tonight, there's a lot of owners that are getting phone calls. And Rob Manfred's on there, or one of the main owners that's on the line who knows them is on there. And they're telling him, we're trying to get this thing done. You said you wouldn't do this. We have this, which is really close. Can we get your support? And that's why they break off and they come back. That's why they've been breaking off and coming back all day on Monday. They break off. They go, okay, well, well, what do you think they're doing? You think if we offer them this, we can get this? Well, didn't you catch in the room like the two of them look at each other? And it's a possibility. I think we could get this, but we're going to have to offer them that. Well, we got to get two owners on board with that because they said they wouldn't do it. All right, well, get on the phone. Let's do it. And the players go back and they sit there and they say, okay, what what are they going to probably come back with and how are we going to counter that? And that's what's going on all, all day on, all, well, it was all day for the last week. It's really intensified on the last day here on the on the 28th as we record. This episode comes out on the 1st. And by the time you've listened to this, maybe a miracle has happened and Major League Baseball is saved and they're playing on opening day. I, I believe as I sit here and talk to you, Craig, it will not be the case. I believe that it may get done before this week is out. And I believe there will be a delayed start to the season, but I think any delay is an insult to the fan base. I think any delay should make you angry. And I think every day that they are delayed starting baseball at this point hurts your fan base and hurts your game because there are still people from 94 who won't go to a baseball game because of it. You know, them. I know them. There are people just gave up on baseball And there's a whole generation of fans that were never hurt like that. But now they're about to get hurt like that, and they're going to get turned off from baseball as well. Lockout's still going on, but that doesn't mean we can't talk baseball. 
I brought in another great guest here for you, somebody who I've uh, only talked with so far uh, throughout social media on Twitter, which is usually a haven for me to get in trouble. But uh, but Daniel and I, Dan, we've had some uh, pretty good conversations. This is uh, Daniel Victor. He writes for uh, Prospects 1500. Dan, how are you doing today, brother? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem, man. I like I said, we've we've gone back and forth a couple times on some stuff, just just in the DMs, and uh, and actually had some, I'd say, a cordial conversation. Just even though we've had differing views on different things, we I just wanted to bring you on here to show people that you know you can have uh, differences of opinions and uh, and still have conversation because in the end, we're all just talking about the game that we love, which is baseball. Exactly, one hundred percent. I think we were. Uh in disagreement about the uh, the owner's desire to uh, cut the number of minor leaguers from 180 to 150. That was what we were talking about. Yeah, I had put out, I think my post said that I'm I, I'm, I'm not going to get angry because I got extremely angry last time uh, when the contractions happened, uh, the minor league teams were going away, uh, my West Virginia Black Bears, which are close close to my heart and close to home here, and it was easy for me to go see you know, the Pirates prospects right after they were drafted or, you know, moved up a little bit from at the time, the GCL, um, advanced rookie ball, whatever it would be. Um, And I was extremely disappointed in that. But uh, the discussion that we had was I I didn't see it as as a huge deal. And and you definitely pushed back on me a little bit. Absolutely. It drives me crazy because, uh, you know, quite frankly, you know, the White Sox had their – their advanced rookie ball team out there in um, in Great Falls, and uh, you know that's a baseball-starved area out there in the Great Plains states. And to me, you know, Rob Manford wants to increase the the traffic and the the love for the game and cultivate fan interest. And by folding forty-two teams from baseball-starved areas, you know, you're not going to get that engagement from a, a young age. And I think it was extremely detrimental to cut all those teams. Um, you know. Where else are you going to see guys out in Montana, Billings, Montana, or, uh, you know, West Virginia? It's very difficult for, for fans. And, I mean, you can watch Little League or you can watch, you know, college baseball, high school baseball, but it's not the same as cheering for an affiliate and de- developing a fandom, you know, from an early age that you carry through, hopefully through, you know, the end of your days on earth. And uh, I – it really drives me crazy that they they cut those teams. Yeah, and and that was like my immediate reaction, especially uh, since I had just purchased a uh, a Missoula Paddleheads hat, um, and because they were doing a rebranding. Um, but since then, um, the owner of the organization, I, I believe they are still in somebody who is not uh, directly affiliated, but partnered with Major League Baseball. And they said that they actually survived and and maybe got, you know, some of the same output that they would have had as if they had a major league team. And that was kind of my pushback to you a little bit when we were having our little back and forth was that, I mean, some there are still some of these indie ball teams. I mean, we have the uh, the Washington Wild things here, probably about 40 minutes from my home that, I, that I've gone to see. And, and so there is still baseball out there and some of the teams did still thrive from that. But I can definitely see where you're coming from, especially like if you want somebody to become like a fan of Major League Baseball and you want them to see, you know, the players 
that will hopefully eventually make it to the big leagues, that that's a way to kind of drive, you know, that fandom. Absolutely. You know, um, I grew up in Northwest Indiana, not far from Chicago. And um, we had the Gary Railcats and, you know, they're, they're right there and they're an independent league team. And I went and saw a game there, but I just, I thought it was poor quality baseball. I felt like maybe they were D2 quality, maybe even D3 quality team. It, they just, they didn't strike me as, as very good. I didn't find anything compelling. You know, I want to see the first round draft pick get his first steps, you know, his baby steps in baseball. I want to see the, the international free agent come over, you know, when he's 17 years old and give it the world in rookie ball. I don't want to see, you know, Bill Pulsifer, who's, you know, 35 years old, trying to get his last legs to hopefully get one more start in the, in the big leagues, you know, when he weighed 300 pounds. <laughs> went, went to Gary and watched that team. Yeah, that's 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 definitely tough. But I mean, the the thing for me uh, is that you know, and I think we even talked about this is is does this open up for you know other opportunities and and maybe a better quality of indie ball? The Pirates uh, just this off season, you know, they they made two minor league signings, uh, both from indie ball. Uh, you know, a catcher and a pitcher it invited them to camp, and and it's. Is that possibly, you know, a new wave or, you know, with, you know, college baseball being on the forefront right now, um, especially without the major league spring training or is, is major league baseball going to use that, you know, not so many uh, high school players and, you know, pushing them into the college ranks and then choosing from the college and using that as a development system. Do you see that as a possibility? Um, I do actually, because I mean, think about it in 2020, we were supposed to have a 40 round draft. We, we knocked it down to five then last year. And it seems like going forward, they're going to cut the draft in half from 40 rounds to 20 rounds. So in essence, you know, we lost 55 rounds of talent in the last two years in the draft. So I agree with you that the quality of any ball should get a lot better, but you know, a lot of people, a lot of fans are saying, you know, that, they don't like what they're seeing about the exploitation of the minor league ball player. Well, if we start sending a bunch of kids over to indie ball, it's much worse in indie ball than it is in even low level minors, as far as, you know, not making a living wage and having to, uh, to try to survive, to keep your dream alive. And it, I don't know the, the quality of play will get better, but it's kind of doing a disservice to the players that have to go uh, through those ranks to try to get into affiliated baseball i mean especially since we're getting to the point now where you know owners are going to have to pay you know for the housing of you know minor league players so it's, it's just getting to the point now where <laughs> where things are where they should have been i know for a long period of time and, and i will say that they uh, when when people you know kind of bash the pirates the pirates have been people that you know they've built up pirate city they they've provided more housing especially to you know the what at the time was the you know high a team the marauders now the low a team the team from the gcl which is now the fcl uh they have um a hotel complex and they have uh townhouses out in altoona uh they've had you know host families out there that ha have sponsored the kids so they they've set up some of that stuff i mean obviously there's more that should have been done could have been done um but 
I think that that's where you know a lot of people's minds go, Dan, is that it's like, okay, well, if the if the owners are going to have to pay more for this, then of course they want to cut the players down to 150. You know, I, I see what you're saying, you know, but if you do the math, think about it. You have, say you have 30 guys on a low A roster. Those guys make $11,000 a year. That payroll for those players is $330,000 for the season. Um, that is, you know, not even the big league minimum for your end of the bench, bottom of the barrel utility player, you know? So it just, it amazes me that they're, uh, making that a, a point. It's a horrible optics for the owners, you know, trying to argue over pennies when when they got the bigger issue in front of them as far as the CBA is concerned. It just baffles me that they're going to argue over 30 minor league spots. Yeah, it's it's real interesting that they decided to put that in um, at that point in time or, or that it was reported at that point in time, you know, because we don't know exactly what's in every single proposal. I mean, there there's, there's hints and there's, you know, of what's in there, the big stuff is touched on. So we don't know how long that was in there, but it definitely came out, you know, fairly recently. Then, of course, you know, once <laughs> it was realized maybe how bad the public perception was, you know, because now you're playing a little bit of the PR game to a degree, um, you, you pull it back. But then I saw an interesting quote, it was from, uh, from J.J. Cooper uh, just a couple of days ago that, you know, teams always could have, just 150 um the 180 is the max it's not the requirement anymore so i mean technically the pirates if they wanted to instead of having you know two fcl teams they could they could only have one i mean i i think that that would take away from ben sherrington's plan to stockpile as much talent as possible and as much give kids as much opportunity as possible and to evaluate as good as possible but i mean something they could do well, sure. You know what? To like you said, we don't know the source of that information, how it was leaked, and how it became a talking point. Maybe that was just to create bad optics on behalf of you know, as as the players union looking at the owners, and they say, well, you know what? Maybe they don't. Maybe they want to go to stick to that you know that standard talking point of the millionaires arguing with billionaires that you hear and that's beat to death every day on social media, but maybe they're like, you know what, but how about these guys making $11,000? You know, no, one, no one's going to have the owner's side on that one. So let's just let this be released out to the public and let the, let the fans hear about that. Yeah. And, and that's what we said. And, and, and we've even had like players within our system, you know, talk out on all this, like Henry Davis has, has gone given like a bunch of, you know, pretty nice quotes to, you know, Jason Mackey to, to Alex Stumpf, the, the beat writers that are out there, and down there right now, you know, working their butts off and is basically saying that, you know, hey, I might not be one of those guys because I, you know, was lucky enough to get drafted high. I got this high signing bonus, but I'm, you know, friends with guys and I'm, you know, rooming with guys and I'm interacting with guys who who are struggling in this. And, and there's no reason why the stuff shouldn't be equal, you know, no matter where you're drafted. Uh, you're 100 percent correct. You know, I, I saw something today someone was on on twitter and they were talking about how they felt sorry for the guys that hadn't reached arbitration yet because they felt that they were the victims in the cba you know debate they were they mentioned andrew vaughn well andrew vaughn signed and got 7.2 million dollar signing bonus okay i think he's going to be all right as long as he manages his money well and he seems like a smart kid with a good head on his shoulders. um you know the guys that i feel sorry for 
are the ones on the 40 man that haven't even made their major league debut yet. Cause not only, you know, they haven't gotten any of that $570,500 prorated for their time in this, you know, in the big leagues, they haven't gotten a taste of, you know, meal money. All they've gotten, you know, was bumped up to the 40 man. And now they can't even play minor league ball for their low pay. And now they're sitting this out and being completely shut out of the mix. So you know, I feel I feel bad for those guys. Yeah, those and Chris and I have talked about that. That, that was like one of the players, like uh, like a Lever Pagaro, you know, Kanan Smith and Jig, but Jack Sawinski, all these guys that you know should be there in 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 camp right now and and should be practicing and losing development, but also losing money, losing opportunity. So I, I definitely I, I feel I feel you on that one. Uh, one of the things I and and the reason you reached out to me is because of an article that uh, my partner at uh, Bucks in the Basement, Gary Morgan, wrote. But I did have a quote in there, and and my quote for this was, and and it's believe me, I I'm a prospect fan. I started writing prospects for the the SI version of the Pirates back in the day when it was with Maven Sports and and all kinds of goofy stuff a few years ago, and I I started writing about prospects. But but my thought was is that you know when they were talking about cutting down the minor league rosters, my mind went to a quote from Moneyball, and I think everybody who has watched Moneyball knows this quote. And it's we're all told at some point in time that we are no longer able to play a children's game. We just don't know when it's going to be. Some of us are told at eighteen. Some of us are told at forty. But we're all told, and that made me think of our third string catcher who's batting 190 in high a ball and is 25 like 24 years old that's where my mind went when we were talking about constricting the minor leagues and making the quality of that baseball better as well dan what's your thoughts on that man i don't know i'm I was told at 12 I couldn't play ball <laughs> I was told at 14. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, a lot of these guys are org depth. Um, you know, they're just trying to get one more summer in the sun and hope that the, the lightning strikes and they can, you know, find that magic and maybe get bumped up to the next level, turn some heads, get some attention. But I don't know. You know, there's the guys. There are some success stories in those late rounds that uh, – that are grinders that make it through the system and some of them thrive, you know, in Chicago, we had Mark Burley and I think he was drafted in the 37th round and, you know, won over 200 games. So, uh, I hate to see just, I hate to ponder the idea of these guys even missing their chance now. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and here's the thing is I, I almost felt bad when I said it, and I almost felt cutthroat because these are some guys I interact with. These are some guys that I cheer for. And that's where, like, I mean, I feel like that at some point in time, you know, like I said, we're all going to be told, but but you never know when that's going to be, and you don't want it to be, you know, before they've actually even had the opportunity or given the opportunity, uh, especially like we talked about that that goofy five round draft, you know, during the pandemic where, you know, <laughs> guys that probably wouldn't have been drafted were drafted to be able to, you know, kind of quote unquote, save some of that space to be able to sign the bigger guys. And the guys that would have been drafted, you know, came in on the, the undrafted free agent, you know, portion of that. So it's, it's definitely, 
it's not something I want to see. It, it's, it, but I try to in my head try to take off the fan cap for a second. But then also I just get the I'm mad at the owner's cap back on. So <laughs> it doesn't really go better either way that I do it. I understand and I concur. Yeah. But let's talk about something a little bit happier. I, I feel like we're depressing each other and probably depressing anybody that's listening to us, finding out that that we were told at, at 12 and 14 and and just talking about like all the doom and gloom that's going on. But while we were talking, uh, uh, Dan, you, you had brought up, you know, you, you said something to me and we were talking about Mitch Keller. And right after that, you said this team should be getting better sooner rather than later. And you said it kind of reminds me of the White Sox when they were going through the mess that got them to this point. And I, I just kind of wanted to talk to you about a little bit about the the Pirates' rebo at this point in time. Like, what could make that happen sooner? The Pirates have loaded up on some real quality prospects. And everyone in the know, you know, says that they absolutely destroyed this past draft, that they just murdered it. And, uh, you know, they keep drafting like that. They keep developing guys. And now... They're spread out. You know, it's not a, a it's not a system that's heavy near the top. It's not heavy near the bottom. They're solid pretty much throughout every level of the minors. And pretty soon, it's going to start paying big league dividends. And I think it's going to start when you see the evolution of Mitch Keller this year. He has been working out as a remote site athlete uh, at Tread Athletics. And his stuff, which was always good, has gone next level. Um, He's hitting consistently. He's hitting triple digits with his fastball. Uh, Tread did a fantastic video that uh, Tyler Zombro um, was the narrator for, that he compared uh, every pitch in in Keller's arsenal to Garrett Cole. What he was saying is that they showed uh, they showed Keller some video when they started um, working with him. You know, places where he was basically nibbling around the zone, uh, losing hitters, falling behind, and then, you know, giving up walks or, or ending up getting himself in a, uh, you know, hitter's count where he's got to come come across and throw him a cookie, and then he's serving one up. Um, they were telling him, you know, basically, in essence, in this video, they said, guess what, dude, your stuff is just as good as Garrett Cole. And uh, you can survive in the zone with that. You don't have to be fancy. You don't have to be cute. Just play it in the zone. And uh, Tampa Bay did a similar thing with, with Tyler Glasnow. Tampa told them, you know, your stuff plays, so just throw it throw it over the plate. You don't have, you know, you're throwing, you're throwing 97, 98. You don't have to hit, hit the corner. You don't have to put it on the black, on the outside of the zone. Just, you know, have your catcher set up in the middle and, and throw it. Throw it in the zone. And I think that, uh, I think Keller's going to have sky high confidence after this season or this off season. And I think that, uh, you're really going to see him make a jump. I got to plug you Dan one more time before I let you go, brother. Uh, we got, uh, follow him, Daniel Victor at slide Danio. That's two N's one Oh 70. Dan, thanks for coming on brother. Thanks for having, you know, a great conversation. And I look forward to doing this again, man. Thanks, man. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, and good luck with your team in the MLB and enjoy those minor leaguers. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next.